Today's horror story is written by Subarilligan. When we were kids, my older brother and I used to play army out in our woods, deep in the hollers on the ridge tops of southern Appalachia in western North Carolina. We built all kinds of foxholes, forts, walls, trails, and everything in between. You name it, our imagination could frame it out and build it up. We never felt uncomfortable, never felt watched or any kind of uneasy. Until one late fall weekend, when the leaves were starting to let go, but still crunched beneath your feet. Just before the snow came, we had marched a mile or so back through old logging trails, grown up so thick that you could scarcely get a grown man through in some spots. We found a perfect spot to start our next fort. It was flat, no trees, and about 50 feet wide, and the same long. Plenty of leaves covering it meant a good raking of them into piles at the clearing's edge would make impenetrable walls for our imaginary attackers. We set to work with only our feet and hands, as we hadn't grabbed our father's tools that day to clear the leaves from the clearing. We set to piling them up as best we could around the edges. We decided that we needed a foxhole to hide in, directly in the center of the clearing. As we redistributed more and more leaves, we discovered nine large and oddly smooth rocks that formed a neat circle in the center of the clearing. We didn't pay much attention to the discovery at the time and diligently worked at our task at hand. It started to get late and we could hear a mother whistling loudly through the autumn forest for us to come home. We relented and decided to grab a rake, mattock, and a shovel the next time we went out so as to build our impregnable fortress the best way possible. As we walked home, the forest came alive with all manner of nocturnal creatures. Coyotes yipped and barked, bobwhites cooed, owls screeched and hooted. It was relaxing and the air was warm, but only just on our faces. My brother and I laid out plans the next day to build the ultimate fortress. We went so far as to draw up a rudimentary blueprint, complete with the large rocks that occupied our newfound fortress site. As we looked closer at the blueprints, we recognized the rocks formed a circle. Perfect. It would be even easier to fence it in and dig the foxhole in the center. We ate our dinner, not speaking a word of our plan to our parents, and took an early leave to bed. We awoke early in the morning, before our parents, and went to grab all of Dad's tools we would need for the day. The air was much cooler this morning than the last, and slightly breezy, with an overcast sky keeping the warmth of the sun out. We donned our coats and our hunter orange beanies so as to be safe in the woods during hunting season, as per our parents' request, and set off. As we walked, my brother and I both noted the eerie silence, but chalked it up to the cool and windy weather. The only wildlife we observed were a few ravens that seemed to observe us as we walked, never flying away as we approached, but rather watching us from the tall trees. As we trekked our way back a mile or so back into the wilderness, we talked excitedly about the fort we were going to build. We alluded to how our older cousins would be jealous and want to come check it out. As we came upon the site, I noticed an eerie feeling of uneasiness, like we were trespassing and someone or something didn't want us to be there. I thought nothing of it, and we set about raking up leaves into walls. After an hour or so, all the leaves had been raked out of the clearing and into the edges, forming neatly stacked little border walls. All the while, my uneasy feeling of some sort of transgression never ebbed. My brother took notice and asked me teasingly, What's wrong with you? You afraid of the woods, you little girl? And I laughed, but replied, It feels weird out here. 
Like, we're not supposed to be here. He called me some names and told me he would protect me from anything out in the woods that came to get me, in true older brother fashion. This didn't put my uneasiness to rest, but I lied and told him that he made me feel better by saying that. The time had come to start on our foxhole in the center of the clearing, within the rock circle. We started with the mattock, breaking up the ground and pulverizing tiny rocks as we broke through the long, undisturbed surface of red clay that is so common throughout southern Appalachia. The deeper we gouged into the earth, the worse my feeling of uneasiness grew, till it was pure dread. I had been shoveling out the dirt as my brother broke it up, and I stopped. He sank the mattock into the earth a few more times, as he looked at me, seemingly asked why I had stopped. He brought the tool down one more time with a resounding clunk. He had struck something. Before either of us could exchange questions, I forgot my feeling of dread and began shoveling again, feverishly this time, to see what we had hit. Maybe it was treasure. Maybe it was a meteorite or something cool. As I brought the dirt out of the hole and onto the surface, it became very clear what he had struck. Stained red by decades of subterranean existence by the ferrous clay was a human skull with a large chunk taken out of it by the mattock. We stopped, in absolute horror, all excitement and happiness drained from her demeanor. I, being eight years old, screamed and began to cry. It felt like we had killed this person ourselves. It felt like we had stashed the body here and prayed not to get caught. My body turned and I vomited my breakfast onto the clearing floor. As we reeled from the revelation, the very atmosphere around us seemed to grow cold and unfriendly, like we had disturbed something, unnatural. We stood in silence for what seemed like an eternity. As the wind shifted the tree branches around us, I heard what I thought was our mother whistling for us to come home. My brother heard it as well. We both lit off for the house, not wanting to spend any more time in the presence of whatever we had exhumed. As we walked back through the woods, at a much quicker pace than we entered, mind you, the claustrophobic trails seemed to get even more tight, and in places they became unfamiliar. It was like the forest itself was trying to keep us from getting back to the safety of our home. We finally burst through the trailhead, tools in hand, just as a bolt of lightning split the sky arcing off in all directions like nature itself had become infuriated with our actions. We walked inside after putting our tools away, just as a downpour started. I called for our mother through the house, but no answer came. We walked towards the carport and saw Dad's car was gone. Though it was before the golden age of cell phones, my father was provided with a company phone that he always kept on him, so we picked up the landline and dialed him. Mom picked up the phone, much to my great relief. They had stepped out to get pizza and a movie from Flick Video because they didn't feel like cooking. For brief few hours, we forgot about the terrors of the day, for the most part. There was still a gnawing, biting feeling in my stomach as we sat and watched the movie Mom and Dad had rented. As it grew nearer to bedtime, the feeling of dread returned, growing stronger all the time. I could not sleep, but I tossed and turned for hours until I eventually found a comfortable enough position to drift off. I began to dream that I was once again on the trail of the clearing, only this time the sun was not out, but the orangish-yellow glow of the harvest moon lit the entire path like a giant lantern in the sky. There were no stars, only the moonlight emanated from the blackness of the night sky. As I walked, my feet made no sound, even when stepping upon the dried-out twigs and leaves. This had to be a dream, yet it felt so real and lucid. I walked almost as if my body was being controlled by someone else down the path to the clearing. 
As I drew nearer and nearer to the site we had unearthed the strange, unmarked yet marked grave, I began to notice a pale glow coming forth from the clearing. Upon approaching the area, I noticed something I won't soon forget, though it's been 20 years since I've seen it. The origin of the pale glow was a hunched-over, wrinkled and gaunt woman. Her jet-black hair hung in very thin wisps off of her head. Her lips seemed to have dried up and decayed a long time ago. She was stark naked and covered in foxfire, the glowing fungi that is found throughout Appalachia. She was sobbing and moaning softly as I kept my distance and observed her. I inched closer to see if I could figure out what she was hunched over, and as I did, a twig snapped under my foot. Time stood still. My heart raced, and my skin began to sweat in the split second it took for the sound wave to reach the ghastly-looking woman. Her gaze immediately snapped in my direction, with unnatural speed and at all the wrong movements for any human on this plane of existence. Her piercing eyes were farther apart than a human being should be, and devoid of pupils. Her nose was bulbous and hung off her face like a diseased zucchini squash. Whatever the hell this was, it was no longer a person, if it ever had been. Her eyes immediately locked with mine, and I knew I was caught. She screamed an evil shriek, shrill and terrible. I immediately wheeled around and began to run, but to no avail. I only gained about four steps before I felt a grab at a mighty pull on my left ankle mid-air, and my face met the earth with a hard smack. When I regained consciousness a few minutes later, I was being dragged across the forest floor towards the clearing by this woman-like monstrosity that stood a full head and shoulders above any man. I was too dazed and confused to scream. Perched upon the nine stones were the very ravens my brother and I had seen in the daytime. Their beady eyes focused on mine, cawing and cackling as I was thrown into the circle of stone. I looked up to face the thing that had dragged me to where I laid, and as I did so, she burst forth with the most shrill and evil cackling I have ever heard. It filled the airways and resonated with the very earth upon which I laid. Her gnarled, cavity-ridden teeth jutted haphazardly in her overly large mouth at varying degrees of sharpness. Her black, diseased tongue licked what remained of her putrid lips, and she cast her gaze downward to my helpless body. The ravens began to caw in rhythm as she reached out towards me with long fingers that terminated in sharp, dagger-like nails that were more akin to claws than fingernails. The cawing quickened as she made contact with my chest. I felt the nails sink into my skin as I screamed out in pain, still unable to move. The cawing grew louder and faster, droning out my screams. Just as she began to grip my chest or rip further into my body, a light split the sky, so bright that for a moment all I could see was white, and the woman screeched a blood-curdling shriek. Then the light was gone. I woke up in the clearing. The woman was gone. Ravens were gone and the grave above was covered over and there stood my brother in the midst of a frigid downpour with shovel in hand. Not a word was exchanged, but we both knew what we had just witnessed. He pulled me up off the ground and we headed for the trail towards the house. The rain slacked and stopped as soon as we were out of sight of the clearing and the stars came out. The moon was just coming up. Its pale, soft white glow lit our hike back through the hills and hollers. We walked into the basement instead of the main entrance as to not wake our parents. We shed our rain-soaked clothes and I took my shirt off and noticed five deep punctures that had scabbed over. 
My brother dressed the wounds as we both exchanged glances, and I slept in his bed that night, even though we were past the age of it being acceptable to do so. We never told our parents of the event. We never spoke of it again. I did some research years later and discovered the story of an older woman who had been accused of nine counts of witchery in the 1700s in a fort where my hometown lies. And as such, she was burned in the square where the old fort was located. To this day, on autumn nights from the safety of our parents' back porch, you can still hear an old woman cackling on the cool autumn breezes and the scream of a dying young child led astray by the most evil thing I've ever encountered. Thank you for listening. You can handle another horror story, right? Perched upon the nine stones with a very raisin. Raisins. <laughs>